Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This is a phenomenal interview with none other than Charles Howell III. Let's get to it. You're going to love it. What's up, golf addicts? Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This interview is with none other than Charles Howell III. He has been a staple on the PGA Tour nearly 20 years, earning $35 million on the course in that time frame. Just an amazing career. We talk about a lot of great stuff with Charles, including his relationship with Tiger Woods, a couple of good Tiger stories, including Tiger swimming with some great white sharks, and some great advice Tiger gave Charles Howell during the President's Cup one year. We get... Charles' thoughts on the awful golf coverage these days and what he thinks he might want to do after he uh, he's done playing. We learn about a stalker fan he had to put up with, a prank on Ian Poulter, and basically we learn that Charles Howell is an absolute golf addict, a lot like most of you listening to this podcast. It's pretty cool. He was an amazing interview, very enlightening, very open, very funny. So we hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Charles Howell. We had a lot of fun having him on. I doubt this will be the last time we hear from Charles Howell here on the Tour Junkies podcast. So if you enjoy the episode, we would love for you to head over to iTunes, leave an honest iTunes review. That helps us out. We don't ask for much. We do ask for that. Also, maybe head over to tourjunkies.com, read the blog, One Groove Low. Maybe go shop around a little bit. We got some new swag in the store, T-shirts, hats, ball markers. There's a ton of good stuff over there, so check that out too. We appreciate your support as always. And enjoy this interview with Charles Howell III. It will not disappoint. What's going on, Golf Addicts? It is the Thor Junkies podcast, and we are bringing to you a brand new interview, a PGA Tour professional. Never uh, never been on the show before, never been on the podcast before. We've been working to get this guy for a while. We've been big fans of his. We know that you, especially listening to us, love this guy, especially on the West Coast. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. We've got fellow Augusta native Charles Howell III. Charles, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, well, I'm doing great. I appreciate your guys' uh, patience with me and scheduling this, and uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to come on the show. Well, Charles, we love to have you, man, and we're, we're glad to have you. You know, um, Pat has has long had a, a man crush on you, Charles. You probably know this from <laughs> you, you may you may even be flashing back to adolescent years where. Pat was like likely trailing you in the woods in a golf cart at a country <laughs> club, or maybe sending you know weird like paper airplane love letters through your window in Augusta. I don't know, but we, for a long time, Pat has really, really wanted to have you on the show, and uh, I, I'm having to start the podcast off so he can kind of slow his heart rate down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I got to get well. I got to get settled. Uh, well, I can tell you, Pat and I hit a lot of golf balls together at Augusta Country Club on. Uh, on a lot of uh, cold weather days. And uh, I think it was, was it Joe Hamilton used to always hit golf balls up there with us. And uh, yes, yeah, so we've, uh, we've spent many hours together upon that range. Well, hopefully you were standing to his left. Um, you must've been, <laughs> I feel like you'd, you'd be injured. Um, and, and obviously he wasn't doing a whole lot of watching of your golf swing because Pat. Sucked. <laughs> so. Oh man. What's, Charles, you know, went to went to Oklahoma State University. Uh, married, lovely wife Heather. Couple kids, Ansley and Chase. How's the family? How's life? You, are you living in Oklahoma? or Are you live in Florida? No, I, I. So we live in Orlando, Florida, and Orlando. Uh, okay. we moved we moved here uh, after college. And 
you know, what brought me here originally, uh, at the time I used to work with David Ledbetter, and he was here, his academy was here. Uh, and then the weather in the wintertime, you know, the majority of the yeah. months that we're home is November, December, January, and the, the weather's obviously <laughs> uh, a little bit better here than Oklahoma that time of year. But, uh, you know, we've stayed here. Our two kids now, they're seven and six, so they're in uh, kindergarten and first grade. Awesome. That's, uh, I mean, obviously it slows down their travel with me on the road some, but, uh, you know, it, it's really good. We found a, a nice uh, uh, Christian school here that kids go to, and uh, it's uh, they're, uh, they're doing well. Thank you. Well, that's great. Speaking of traveling, you're going to be on, uh, on the road at Riviera next week, a place you've had some success. Uh, and you have a lot of success, as I mentioned in the intro on the West Coast Swing. Uh, what what do you attribute that success to? Because you know Pat and I talk a lot on the podcast about you know these different tournaments, and especially seems like when you get a Southern boy who grew up on bent grass in Bermuda, and you yep. send him out west to putt on POA, you normally don't get great results. But that is not the case yeah. for you. What, <laughs> do you. what do you think about next week at Riviera and all your your long term West Coast Swing success? You know, I obviously it's something I've thought about a, a lot and, and talked to people about. And yeah, I think part of it is I've I've just come off an off season where I've worked hard at my game and I've sort of uh, got things organized, uh, you know, to a degree, et cetera. I'm excited to play again. And, you know, and I've thought about it too in the in the form of you know why have I played well on the West Coast and why have I historically struggled some in the summer uh, relative to that and. Uh, you know, whether it's, it's, I'm more fresh, I'm not sure what it is because you're right. As you alluded to putting Poana greens is not the most fun thing in the world. Um, I mean, you can miss a putt from 18 inches and you're trying hard on it. It cannot even hit the hole. And, uh, so I, I told, I don't really have a better answer than maybe I'm a little more fresh, a little more rested. Uh, but in, as far as more specifically to Riviera next week, it's, it's a golf course I really like, um, yeah, specifically because every hole kind of has a shape to it off the tee. Um, you know, these massive eucalyptus trees there, it, it kind of frames every hole. And so when you get up there, you know, oh, okay, this hole's asking for a little draw, or this hole's asking for a fade or whatever, and it uh, seemingly fits my eye well. And, you know, I've always enjoyed playing there. Well, you know, I think one thing you got to be proud of, and I'm sure you're proud of this, is the longevity, man. I mean, when you just think about how long, I think you turned, you know, according to your PGA Tour profile, you turned turn pro in, in 2000. We obviously know the accolades, the career earnings through the roof, uh, over 85 career top 10s, almost 200 top 25, a 78% made cut percentage in your career. And, you know, not really a lot of documented major health problems. Like, what do you attribute that to? Are you doing uh, are you doing TB12, Tom Brady's thing? Are you juicing? Do you, do you want to let us know what's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what's funny about that? I actually am using a trainer from TB12. Um, <laughs> yes, I knew it. Yes. See, um, <laughs> the secret's out. <laughs> see, well, you, you know what's funny? Like When you look at working out and training, and obviously it's a, it's a massive uh, subject now, and um, I, I think Tiger – brought you know fitness and, and and health to the forefront of everybody's mind in golf but then you look at you know cases of injury and obviously tiger struggled with injury and jason day has struggled with injury and rory at times etc and you know i'm 38 years old so i you know, definitely can't train and work out like a 20 year old and so i uh reached out to one of the trainers up there uh at tom brady's facility his name is chris thompson 
and he had a little bit of a, of a back, a golf background himself. And, but he's been, uh, he's been helping me quite a lot and, uh, kind of, you know, laid out to me what really is important in a training program and, you know, some ideas on longevity and the hopefully knock on wood, I can, uh, continue to stay healthy. But, um, I mean, you would think with golf, I mean, we're not getting tackled and hit by anybody and, yeah. um, right. You would think golfers could do it. And, but unfortunately you see one of the greatest of all time, Tiger is a career got derailed by massive injury. So, uh, when you get 38, it definitely, uh, it's something you think about. I swear, man, if, if you're like, if you're like winning events on the PJ tour in your sixties and Brady's like winning Super Bowls in his sixties, <laughs> people are going to really start suspecting some stuff. You're going to get, you're going to get tested. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, no, I tell you, you know, it, it's funny because you know, the training and everybody, uh, you know, when you look at Tom Brady and, and he arguably let's, let's just say he's the top three best quarterbacks of all time. And, and what he's doing at age 40, I don't understand why everybody wouldn't be knocking down the door of TV 12. Um, True. I really, I really don't. I, I, I don't have a good reason for it. And, uh, I know there's a lot of great trainers out there. There's a lot of smart trainers and a lot of smart people. I, I get it, but my goodness, I mean, it's like I tell people, if it's good enough for Tom Brady, it's darn sure good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, need, well, I, Charles, need to get this, I gotta get this Thompson guy's number. I, I really need Oh God. <laughs> hey buddy, yeah. I, I got you I got you hooked up. Yes, sir. The weather's beautiful <laughs> up there, by the way, right now. <laughs> yeah. Pat Pat, uh, first of all, I don't know that he'd take you as a client. I mean he's he can probably take his pick and I'm not really sure based on what I know of you that would work. Um <laughs> but anyway, uh Charles, one of the things we do every week is like a lot of golf analysts or golf media types we're going to pontificate right we're going to look at the golf course look at who's played well here in the past try to figure out who's going to play well this week of course it's golf it's the most variable game on the planet um so in terms of in your thoughts if you were an analyst if you were picking golfers every week how important are the three following things and where would you rank them course history recent form and if so like how recent and then course fit in terms of the stats and the type of golfer that would do well at an RBC, you know, heritage, uh, in Hilton head versus a bombers track, you know, like, so in those three categories, what do you think is most important? I would rate like current form. Number one, uh, the history there, number two, and then the overall fit number three. Um, interesting reason. The reason being is, is that we all know golf is a massively fickle game and, you know, how many times do you see guys kind of get a hold of something and they have a run of, you know, two or three, four good weeks? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then course history, I think it means something because the player has played well there in the past, so they make and draw off good memories and clearly the player likes it, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, then the course fit, yeah, it's funny. I mean, that where all the golf courses, I mean, obviously apart from a handful of, let's say, Harbor Town, Colonial, et cetera, you know, all the golf courses are becoming you know, very similar in that, you know, guys just hit a ton of drivers, uh, sort of the, they you know, try to whack it as far as they can up there off the tee and then go from there. And, um, you don't see a ton of courses that demand a lot of strategy anymore. Uh, you're seeing a lot more, you know, where guys are hitting, you know, 10 to 12 drivers around now, which, uh, you know, then, then it yeah. becomes a, a long drive contest, if you will. Yeah. As far as recent form, like how how recent would you go? Like, do you think 
you know, because sometimes we wrestle with like maybe a guy was playing really well in the fall swing, and then um, you know, and then he's back for uh, you know for the career builder, and you haven't seen him in a while, but he's playing great then. Or if, if he if he just if he was missing cuts, and then last week all of a sudden he top twenty five, is is that considered good recent form? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'd probably go in the last three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, because this game is so funny. You can, I mean, you know, you, you can kind of sleep funny one night, your body feels weird the next day and you struggle a bit. And then the demons, which we all have demons, <laughs> all of us, and then yeah. the demons start getting a little bit louder and then et cetera. And, uh, but yeah, I'd say the last yeah, two, three ish weeks of form, um, you know, they always say that good golf is one swing away. Uh, but seemingly now the level of competition is so tough that, yeah. uh, you know, good form and good weeks, it, it, it takes quite a lot. Well, transitioning a little bit, I want to, I want to ask you about gambling and golf. What, you know, we hear a lot about the Tuesday games and all that kind of stuff. Like what actual percentage of guys on the PGA tour are gambling during practice rounds? Uh, not near what you think it is. Uh, I would really? say, and it, it, it it's really not. Um, and, and I, what's happened is, is, is that golf has become, you know, in my, let's say 18 years, it's, it's become much more, uh, big business like where guys are out there. Now there's more golf teachers, uh, and more mental coaches and more short name coaches, uh, traveling every week than I've ever seen. And guys on Tuesday are trying to get their work done. Um, you know, there's now there's green reading books, right. That, that have now become a, a, a somewhat of a topic of discussion. So, you know, guys have the green reading charts out and they're studying every green and where the whole locations may or may not be. And, and yeah, I, I see things much more business-like as opposed to people gambling on a Tuesday. Now, yeah. if there is a gambling match out there, it's, it's never not, that's not for the large amount of money that people may want it to be. It, but it is enough to where you don't want to lose as far as the pride thing goes. Right. Right. Do you, do you think like, do you hear anything about, um, you know, daily fantasy golf, DraftKings golf, fantasy golf stuff. Do you hear that kind of stuff out on tour, that chatter? Uh, no, I will. We'll have people yell, you know, Hey Charles, I've got you on my fantasy team this week. I'm like, well, I kind of have a vested interest in myself too. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got Buddy, yeah, I did it, you dumb. know, and uh, yeah. I got a wife and two kids, but, uh, um, no, you know, you, you hear that, but now I know I think it's a great thing though, because anything to drive interest in the golf will take. And obviously we're never going to be the size of the popularity of the NFL or the NBA or whatever, but we have a, a different market and a different guy, but you know, but if, if the fringe golf guy gets interested because of fantasy golf and DraftKings and whatever, Hey man, we'll take them. Any interest is good. Yeah. Do you think that's the general consensus of, of players on tour and officials on tour? Uh, players, yes, uh, for sure. Um, especially because the the players now are trending younger and younger. Um, yeah. You, you know, we're in a different spot now to where our best players are our youngest players, and they play the most. You know, when yeah. I came out on tour, the best players were the older players, and they kind of played the least. So it, it, it's kind of flipped a little bit here to where now you've got you know, the Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and, and, and all these guys showing up at tournaments where in the old days, the top two, three, four players in the world would never show up to. Um, Interesting. So, see, that's great for golf, and it also is making the strength of fields much stronger. 
So now you've got, you know, Jordan Spieth and Justin, and they're playing the Sony Open, and they're turning right back around, and they're, and they're playing here at, you know, obviously Jordan's here at Pebble this week, and they play uh, Phoenix, et cetera. So I think the younger guys are much more open to the gambling and the new age and modern stuff. Obviously, they're extremely active on social media, which hey, I think that's a good thing to promote themselves in golf. But it is, uh, it is different from the Curtis Strange and Raymond Floyd days. Yeah. All right, now, now tell me if this is true. You you watch a good bit of golf when you're not playing, right? You're a golf addict, yes, right? Absolutely, okay. yes, sir. This has been a hot topic for us lately, and it's just been festering and growing. And it, and I think it's it's just getting to this point where we just the, our only outlet is to blast on on Twitter the 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 awful golf channel coverage on TV, especially on Thursdays and Fridays, which is when they typically have coverage anyway. But I'm talking anything from, you know, players being on the course at 9 a.m. and coverage not starting till 3 p.m. Because yeah. before 3 p.m. they're showing, you know, a, a and, and not saying that, that women's golf isn't awesome, but women's golf doesn't move the needle like the best men in the world, right? But like they're yeah. showing some freaking LPGA event or a college tournament nobody cares about, or they got the, and then of course on the weekends you get the hour pregame junk between coverage or you know and and they're showing guys in the studio instead of live golf action um and then that's not to mention the horrible coverage we get on tv when 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 it's actually on and all we're seeing is the same five players or a lot of putting or this this week's sponsor rambling on and on about his product what like what do you do you watch that as a golfer ever and just think about how awful the coverage is or what would you do to improve it? Well, okay, so to answer your question, yes, I, I watch a lot of golf and you know it it's all my sort of dream or hope is that it goes this direction is is you know that that the number of hours of coverage gets a lot longer because like you said we're on the golf course starting when sunrise. Okay. And there's TV cameras. Uh, the towers are already set up out there and a lot of yeah. the towers already have the cameras in it. So my idea would be if it is the golf channel and it's dedicated to golf, which it is, let's show golf. And, uh, you know, I think that the best thing that the golf channel has is it's live programming. And the, the ultimate reality show is golf, right? I mean, we don't know what's going to yeah. happen. And, and and here's the cast of characters. So yes, I would love to see uh, the coverage get expanded, uh, even if they just turn the cameras on in the towers. You know, it doesn't have to be wonderful uh, producing all day. But but man, I, I'm with you. Let, let's show as much golf, and you know, also too, let's show different guys. I mean, you know, yes. some of the best draw, some of the best drama each week is showing guys try to make a cut on Friday. I mean, yes, you know, so I mean, some of my most, you know, I mean, you get anxious and nervous if you've got four holes to play. You know, you got to play the last four holes one under par to make the cut. I mean, you know, what the, the guy that's leading the tournament, we know he's playing good golf, but let's show these guys where, you know, we're we're on the bubble. I mean, trust me, I've been there many times. I'll be there again probably next Friday, but it's, you know, like that's great TV. <laughs> love that idea. We talked about that too. I, I love that. Do you, do you think that there will be a day when the PGA Tour will have their own network showing their own product? It'll be interesting. I, I think it's a possibility uh, because the PJ Tour has acquired so many tours around the world. Obviously, if, yeah. for example, PJ Tour China, P, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think it's a possibility. Um, it, 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 well, I, I hear a lot of chatter about it, and I hear a lot of speculation about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's that, that's the one thing that 
the the thing that I would say your best argument for that is that you look at all the you know the say the rights that the tour itself is acquiring to show live golf and and like I said earlier I mean the the best product is actual live golf programming it really is. Do you think um, Charles you ever see a day when when uh, you're you're a you're a golf analyst or you're on the golf channel if you're that if you're that into watching it. One of these days when you're in your 60s and TV 12 has run its course, do you see yourself yeah. sitting in a booth somewhere calling golf? <laughs> well, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to go work for the golf channel, yes. Uh, I'm not sure what capacity, uh, but I do – yeah, I would love to go work for the golf channel because, I mean, you know, let me, let's be honest here. It's all I know. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden – at age whatever, I'm going to start being becoming a stock trader, or you know, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't explain to anybody what a derivative is, and so it's not <laughs> what I know. I mean, it's you know, I, I do golf, so yeah, I'd love to go work for the Golf Channel one day if they'd have me. Awesome, Charles. I want to ask you know, kind of speaking of the tour, you know, I want to talk about just the trajectory of you know the tour with Jay Monahan you know, as, as the head guy. You know, he came in a few years ago has obviously changed some things up and, you know, specifically just kind of growing the game. I mean, we look at the European tour, they're doing some cool stuff. I mean, I saw this week that they're going to have some players mic'd up. Um, yep. You know, they got other things that they're doing. I think that, you know, especially from a social media content wise, you know, what is, what's your opinion on, on the PGA tour when it comes to that? Well, I think the PGA tour is getting younger and I think social media now is a normal part of all these younger players everyday lives. And so having grown up with that, and now Jay recognizes that. So he's obviously big on the social media side. I, but I think Jay will be a much more uh, progressive forward thinker than Tim was, Fincham. And so I would not be surprised if, if there was a day where you had players where we were interviewed on the golf course. And, you know, if there was maybe some players, as you say, mic'd up and mic up a caddy as well, because the player caddy interaction would be pretty cool uh, to hear. Um, so yeah, I think Jay's going to be much more forward thinking with that. Um, now my hope though, is that we still, you know, we still stay a, a golf, you know, focused deal here that where I, I don't think, you know, some of the stuff that I see the European tour doing, I mean, it sounds cool and it looks cool, but like, I think you need to really follow and see what the follow through of that really is. Um, you know, I could, for example, I don't necessarily think you need to play music uh, on the 16th hole at the Phoenix Open, um, right? Like, I think that may be a little forward. But if you were to say, hey, Charles, we're going to interview players today during the round, I think that's a great idea because, you know what, we're talking to each other during the round. So it doesn't. So it's not like a round of golf that we're not talking to anybody. I, so I might as well talk to a, a walking reporter as I am my playing partner. I think that'd be a wonderful thing. So I think if, if the PJ tour does some baby steps like that, I mean, we don't necessarily need fireworks when we teeing off. I mean, we're already bags of nerves anyway. I mean, if firework goes off, that just might be game over. And uh, so, you, you know, like I, I can't imagine sitting on the first tee at Augusta national and then, and then three fireworks shooting off or, or you walk out to some song. I just, so yeah, I mean, listen, I I love the more forward progressive stuff, but I, I'd say let's uh, let's let's go slow with. It. Yeah, well, I did see that too that the European tour has walk up songs on the first tee. But you know, yeah, this is probably this is probably more of a native area question. But I gotta ask, what what would your walk up song be if if you had to have one? I mean, I I really don't even know. I mean, it would be something out of uh, desperation slash prayer. Flash! I hope things go well. Um, I, I I don't even know. I mean, because I just 
you know, it's like I categorize a lot of that stuff into like my folder of millennials, right? And yeah. <laughs> and I just look at it, and I and my only response to that is, yeah, it's a millennial thinking of that. Sure, it is. And <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, when you're 38 like me, I don't, I don't even know what my song would be. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the golf ball. That's kind of been sort of a, a hot topic lately. You know, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, how far the ball is traveling? <clears throat> you know, do you see it being restricted? Um, you know, just what are your thoughts on just the golf ball in general and that whole debate? Um, well, I think I. I there's a lot of reasons the ball is going as far as it is. Now, uh, I think a better athlete's play in the game. Um, you know, if you walk on the PGA Tour now and you see uh, Gary Woodland and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kupka, right, and you compare that to if you walked on the practice tee and saw Corey Pavin and Jeff Sluman, <laughs> I mean, it's a different guy playing the game, right? And And obviously their club head speeds are much faster. I think you've got uh, better instruction now than we had before. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, monitoring devices to, to max out the efficiency on golf clubs, you know, such as flight scope, foresight, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of factors. It's not just the golf ball. And so personally, I don't think the golf ball should be rolled back. Um, and, you know, secondly, I don't think it will be rolled back uh, because I don't think from just observation here that golf doesn't seem to want two sets of rules, a set for professionals, let's say, than a set for, you know, the average everyday golfer. Now, with that said, um, I don't think that the golf ball necessarily, I, I don't know that it needs to necessarily go, quote, much farther, but you can't just blame the golf ball for that. I mean, it, it, you've got to start everywhere. You know, the course conditions, uh, unless it rains, they're much firmer. Um, you know, on the other side of it too, now the golf courses we play, I mean, like Torrey Pines South at 7,600 yards at sea level. I mean, if I had to play that golf course with an old golf ball, I would cry. Um, and I've had success around there. So, you know, a lot of the golf courses, can you imagine the first hole there at Augusta National into a little bit of a cold win on Thursday morning with the old Titleist Tour Bellata? I mean, you could, I mean, it would be miserable. So, um, now. I understand the flip side of the argument where people say that we're losing historic golf courses and the cost it does take to uh, build new tee boxes, et cetera. Um, so I see that, but, but if they are going to address it, you can't just point your finger at the golf ball. It, it's got to be a lot of things. Well, transitioning over from the ball to uh, the club, you're obviously a PXG guy. I want to know your best Bob Parsons story. Oh. Well, okay, so I actually, um, I, I've obviously followed golf quite closely, and I remember a few years back uh, reading an article that said the quote-unquote GoDaddy founder was going to start a golf company, and he had hired uh, Mike Nicolette and Brad Schweiger, two engineers away from King. And my first thought was, why would he do that? It's crazy. So I started kind of researching it a little bit, et cetera, and I, and I kept whatever staying in you know, sort of staying apprised of it and whatnot. And I heard he was hiring a few more guys. And well, so next thing you know, they got this golf club company come out and Ryan Moore was the first person to sign with them. And so I saw Ryan's clubs, et cetera. And so I just picked up the phone and called out there and just said, Hey, I'd like to, you know, spend some time with you. I'd like to, you know, to you know, meet the guys and whatnot. And so lo and behold, I was the second professional to, to, to sign with them. And um, so Bob, I, I meet Bob and, 
uh, he says, "Hey, Charles, meet me for dinner at Scottsdale National. This is the, you know, it's the golf club that uh, that I own, et cetera. Perfect." And uh, he says, "I said, okay, Bob, what time do you want to meet for dinner?" He goes, "Well, you tell me." I said, "Six o'clock. Perfect." So we drive up there, and lo and behold, the golf course and the kitchen, everything was shut down. Bob had it open for us, and we get there, and and uh, my wife Heather and I sit down, and we're we're waiting on Bob, et cetera, to get there. Well, well, Bob pulls up in a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. He's got the full you know, leather jacket on. He's got the helmet on. He pops the helmet off. He's got sunglasses and an earring in each ear. And I just look at the guy and I think, my golf career equipment is entrusted to this guy. What have I done? And, you know, because if you can picture a Wally Uline and you can picture John Solheim in your head, and then here comes up Bob Parsons, and, and, and he looks at me and he says, what's up, brother? And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but we start talking, and, and my gosh, I mean, what, what, what an awesome guy he is. He, uh, he averages giving a million dollars to charity every 10 days, and he wow. picks out organizations and companies that otherwise have a hard time gathering funding. Uh, so, for example, uh, he just gave a really large amount of money to the Girl Scout, um, and he, so he picks out different areas and different things like that, and he just loves giving money away. And uh, I tell you, I mean, if and I, and I know that the clubs are expensive, but they are worth it because the engineering and the time and the effort going into them, uh, man, it's Bob drives a hard bargain, but uh, it really is good. Well, we've, we've had Bob on the show. We had him back last summer, and, and you are correct. He is certainly a character, but a great guy. Uh, one of our favorite interviews uh, that we've ever done was with him. And so, and, and, and I know David, he, he's, kind of a, he's kind of a PXG guy. You know, he's, he's in I'm, love with I'm, the, I'm a yeah. fanboy of Bob Parsons. I, he, is, he is probably, he's, it's probably the favorite interview we've ever done was Bob Parsons. And I, just reading more about him, and like you said, I know he's done the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, commitment as far as giving away the amount of money that he does. You know, Purple Heart recipient shot in the Vietnam War, and like just his style and the swagger that he has is pretty pretty awesome. I actually was just at PXG headquarters on Monday. I was at Scotts in Scottsdale, and I, I walked in there unannounced and fanboyed out a little bit, and I walked out with a custom fitted putter. So that's, that's what I got. I got me a putter oh, on the way. I, I, I love it. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize Bob runs nine different companies. So PXG is just one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the guy, I mean, the, the fact that he's able, you know, to, to manage all this, uh, Matt Rollins, he's the head of the uh, tour department, uh, told me when, when he had first, uh, when Matt first took the job at PXG, he would come into the office. And Matt said he would get in the office between 6 and 6.30 in the morning. And he said he never beat Bob to the office, that Bob was in there every morning at 530. Uh, and he's like, you know what? I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to outwork this guy. And, you know, I mean, Bob's worth obviously a ton of money. And, and he's in there every morning at 530 trying to oversee everything and make sure that when something does come out, it is better than what was out before. Wow. So, Charles, we got to talk Tiger a little bit here. And yep. now I, I do want to talk some stories that you may have about Tiger. but first. It, what what are your thoughts on his health right now? The swing right now, you know, after seeing him at the Farmers, what's your, you know, what's your kind of initial thought on how this year might could go for him? Well, you know, something about this seems a little different. Um, you know, it it seems like he's 
happier. It seems like his health is back. Uh, you know, we we didn't see him ever hit a shot where he kind of grimaced or grabbed his lower back, uh, which obviously is all massively positive. Uh, you know, from talking to him a little bit, it, it sounds like he's got all of his speed back, which, uh, you know, nowadays in the modern game, you know, that he that's imperative. Um, you know, I think if the guy can play a full season healthy, uh, there's no reason why he can't win another golf tournament. And, um, you know, obviously that's the big question mark, right? Is can he stay healthy and, and work as hard away from tournaments as he feels like he needs to, to prepare. But yeah, I don't know. Something about this seems a little bit different. And, uh, you know, not only for his sake, but for all the fans sake and for golf's sake, man, it wouldn't it be uh, great to see another run by him. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. I think it's obviously a great thing having him back. We're thrilled about it. I mean, we see a, a huge bump in our listeners just, just when, when he's in the field. So it's, um, we're de- it's definitely exciting. Now I want to ask though, like in his prime, how is Tiger as far as like treating the rookies and the up and coming? Um, well, you know, I was lucky enough, uh, you know, by virtue of, of living in Orlando, uh, you know, we spent, a ton of time together. You know, we practice together almost daily, uh, you know, worked out together. I mean, we, we, we had, you know, we just spent, you know, and became good friends through all of it. And, and the guy, I mean, he was so focused and he was so, uh, you know, obsessed and absorbed with, with winning and, and winning majors and all of his goals, et cetera. I, I've just never seen somebody, you know, that, that was so all encompass, <laughs> encompassing driven, uh, to do that. And, you know, because of that, I think at times people thought, um, you know, certain things about him and it really wasn't rudeness or anything else. It was just, he was a hundred percent focused on winning. Um, you know, seemingly now, uh, he's, you know, softened the edges a little bit. He's kind of come off, uh, some of that just a little bit more, uh, you know, by being, you know, assistant captains in these, uh, you know, team events. But man, when I was around him, it, I mean, the guy was so focused and, you know, and he, and he could do things with a golf ball. Nobody else could do. I mean, you know, we, we would play uh, around Isleworth and, and I'd watch him do things and hit shots and just say, you know what? I'm, no one else can do that. And if you do that in a tournament, you're going to win. And, and there's nothing we can do about it. You got to have some tiger stories. Uh, what, what's your best tiger story? Hey everyone, before we hear this phenomenal Tiger story, we want to invite everybody to join us at mybookie.ag. It is the number one sports betting site on the internet today, the best mobile site around. And listen, if you talk about taking money out of these sites, it can be a hassle at times. MyBookie, you can get it out within 48 hours. It is extremely simple. Myself and Pat have both withdrawn money from MyBookie. It's safe. It's easy to use. And we've got a promo code for you. If you sign up through mybookie.ag and when you go to deposit, type in the promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, when you sign up for the new account. You get a 50% deposit bonus just for being a Tour Junkies listener. So go on and join us. We do a write-up every week on tourjunkies.com of three of our favorite bets of the week on the MyBookie website. I promise you won't be disappointed. I know a lot of you guys do it on other websites. I'm just encouraging you to check it out over at MyBookie. Also, phenomenal customer service. You can be on the MyBookie website at any point. They got a live chat representative waiting for you. It's really good stuff. Check it out, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, when you sign up and get a 50% deposit bonus. Thanks again for listening. Let's hear the, uh, let's hear the Tiger story. It's a good one. 
Oh man. Well, I've, I've told this before, um, but it's, it's my best one and it's, and it's true. Um, in the president's Cup in 2003, um, it was down in South Africa. It was at fan court. It was my first one. And, uh, yeah, I was 23, I think at the time and a bit nervous and whatever. And some tiger said, yeah, why don't you fly down? You and Heather fly down with Elon and I, uh, on my plane and, and we'll go down a week early. Okay, great. Perfect. So we fly down a week early and Tiger, this was back when he was really big into scuba diving, wanted to go uh, great white shark diving off Seal Island. And anybody that's watched the National Geographic channel has seen, you know, the show there with all the seals and whatever. So that's where we were. And the idea was you chum the water for X amount of hours until these great whites show up and then you drag like fake seals behind the boat and then you hop in the cage. <laughs> well, we'd been we'd been sitting out there literally for eight hours and we had come the water we had drug seals behind the boat we had done everything possible but we never could pull a great white shark up now you don't know if they're if they are or aren't around you we just never saw one and we were about a hundred yards away from that seal island well there's thousands of seals on this island and you know they make all kinds of noise and, and the smell is horrific but you're you got no other choice well, Tiger's already dressed up in his uh, wetsuit in case we see a shark to jump in. So obviously, this wetsuit is black as night, looks like a seal. Well, so I'm up in the sort of the front middle of the boat, and I'm talking to the captains. Next thing you know, we're here, a splash in the water, and it's Tiger. And he's jumped in the water, and the boat captain yelled, what are you doing? Get back in the boat. And Tiger said, no, I'm going to go over to the island. I want to see this very territorial and this guy's just jumped in this water right on top of the water swimming across it he got to look like a seal from a shark below goes right over there to seal island and i'm telling you you've never seen a boat captain more nervous in all your life than to thinking <laughs> this is going to be the end of tiger woods right here and um but you know i tell the story to, to remind people and tell people just how fearless the guy was i mean literally and that's why he played such great golf i mean the guy wasn't afraid of anything um, and it was, it's pretty, pretty fun to be around a, a guy like that. Um, yeah, I know it certainly helped my career. <laughs> sure. That is all. Charles, I have a question about, uh, about a tiger. Like what's your, what's the moment that you remember a tiger moment that you witnessed on the golf course? Uh, so, okay. So we were, uh, we were playing that same president's cup in 2003 and we were playing, um, I can't remember who it was. It, it was, we were playing, it was a team match uh, and it was alternate shot. And Tiger and I were up in the match early and then we kind of fell behind and then we got up again. Then we fell behind, et cetera. And we, we get all the way down to the 17th hole and we have about a 15 foot putt to win and I've got to hit the putt. So we're back there reading the putt and I said, Tiger, I think this putt's right edge. He says, no, Charles, it's at least five inches out. I was like, no, 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 it can't be. It's just right edge. And he looked at me and said, listen, I'm used to winning. I'm used to making these things. Hit it where I tell you. I'm like, fine, you got it. <laughs> and, of course, I hit it there. It breaks that amount of money. Amount. It goes in the hole, and he just looks at me and says, yeah, thank you for listening. And <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the guy just had such a knack for, for winning and, 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 like, his self-belief. and um. You know, obviously, I mean, he could, it's a time, I mean, he was the longest hitter out there. 
Um, you know, he could hit the ball higher than anybody when he wanted to. Uh, but the overall self-belief and confidence and, and green reading ability, just everything. I mean, he was better than us at everything. Um, and it really was remarkable to be around. So, Charles, I got to, you know, here's one thing that I got to tell you. This isn't really a question, but we do a weekly drafting pool every week with about 15 guys. And my dad is in that. And he, okay. if you if you are in the field, my dad takes you every single time. Every, I mean, with, for three well, years. Thank for you. three years. <laughs> oh, thank you. But but it kind of it, it makes me think back to us growing up at, at ACC. You know, talk a little bit about those days. You know, there were some great golfers that that, that played there. How did did that really shape your game to, to be the type player you are today? Just talk a little bit about that. You know, looking back on it, I, I probably didn't realize um, how good it was, and I definitely didn't realize how those probably were the best days of our life. But, you know, I remember being around Scott Baltito and John Engler, uh, you know, Brian and Blair Sterlock, and and just how much I think we pushed each other, right? And um, and I just remember, you know, those guys like Scott Baltito, I always thought Scott was one of the best ball strikers I'd ever seen. Obviously, he went on to play college golf at TCU. Uh, John Engler hit the ball and drove the ball straighter than, I mean, almost anybody I still have ever seen. And, you know, so there was, I think I didn't, I didn't quite realize how much uh, we pushed one another. Um, and looking back on it, yeah, I mean, it was a massive part of, of me still playing professional golf today. And, uh, you know, obviously even, you know, people may or may not have forgotten, but John Engler, you know, played out on the PJ Tour and he got his card. Um, you know, et cetera. So, you know, the, obviously all these guys went on to play division one golf as well. So yeah, I mean, you know, looking back on it, my goodness, you know, had I not grown up there at Augusta country club around all that, I don't, I don't know if I would have uh, stuck with it the way that I did. All right. So I'm going to bring us into the native area now, Charles, and, and I'm going to explain right. what this is. So here's what this is. So we follow golf, like on the PGA tour app and it'll go, there'll, there'll be the, the shot tracker. And every so often, you'll be in the native area. So you never know what you're going to get. And you don't know what kind of kind of lie you're going to have. So that's kind of how this is. That's how these questions are. So, and most oh, are not That's why and I did in the native area. So I get it. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off and then I'll let uh, David uh, close it out and, uh, and button everything up. So what's your binge TV or Netflix show right now? Right now. Um, Let's see here. I well, right now because I just got. Mm, I don't really have one right now. Um, I just got done watching Breaking season? Bad though. Breaking Bad. Um, okay. but, but see, I was one of the last ones to that, and I'm just starting Game of Thrones. So like, I'm really behind on the times on that, and so I'm literally on uh, season one of Game of Thrones. So I'm just now getting into that, but just got done with Breaking Bad. So I'm kind of in between. Yeah, that makes me feel good. I haven't gotten into Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, and I, I keep getting just a ton of crap about it. So I guess I need to start. Yeah, that. I know, and that's kind of why I did it. You know, now obviously now traveling more by myself, you got plenty of time for this. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, name three things you hate. Three things I hate. Um, let's see here. Um, liberal politics. Um. <laughs> Let's see here. Liberal politics would be probably number one. Uh, number two is uh, excessive slow play. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, 
And number three would be, ooh, not doing what you say you're going to do. All right, your wildest pro-am story or, or a cool. pro-am character. <clears throat> okay, well, a couple of them. So um, wildest pro-am story, every one of these involve alcohol. So the first <laughs> overlay one is, is actually how hammered pro-am partners can get in a pro-am with an early AM tea time. Okay, number one. Yikes. So so one thing I learned <laughs> early is when they tell you they're drinking bottled water, it's not bottled water. All right, so that that would be number one. But on two separate occasions, I've actually seen uh, guys make full swings and the ball go backwards. Um, so that <laughs> would probably be, yes, I've seen balls go completely backwards. Um, then the other one was I had a guy one time, he wanted to play me $100 a hole, uh, and he what? was horrible. And it's like, I want to play a hundred bucks a hole. Then it, I was like, no, man, let's just, just have fun. Enjoy your day. Whatever. Like, no, no, no. Seriously. I want to play a hundred dollars a hole. I'm like, no, no, whatever. And he's finally like, man, you, I, I mean, what's wrong? Are you scared of me? Are you chicken, whatever. I, let's play a hundred a hole. And the, the guy was horrible. It would be akin to me, you know, challenging LeBron James to one-on-one in basketball. Right. Like it's just, it wouldn't, um, that, that day kind of got uncomfortable. We didn't end up doing it. And, but yeah, but the, you know, the, the thing though, that still amazes me about pro-ams is, is just go out there and have fun. Now you don't always have to get plastered by the six T box, but uh, let's just have a fun day. <laughs> I think that's probably the best answer we've had to that question. Actually. Uh, um, it's, it's the most honest. It's the most honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. What is the most creative way you've seen golfers pick up women on tour? Uh, I would say the things I've actually witnessed with my own eyes is I've seen guys write their cell phone number on a golf ball and throw it to them. Yeah. Um, I've we've seen witnessed that. We've heard that. that yeah, yeah, we've heard that. Um, move. You know, some of the more, you know, crafty veteran guys will have their agents do it, uh, that are walking around, which is probably a little smarter, maybe way to do it. But, uh, yeah, I, the, the one I've actually witnessed with my own eyes is, is, uh, yeah, is the finding, it put the, your cell number on a golf ball. Looking back on your first ten years on tour, who was the who was the player with the most games with the women outside of the road? Ooh, oh, Adam Scott! My gosh, yeah. I mean, we came out at the same time. I mean, I, I mean, even yeah, I think I, Adam Scott's good looking, right? So, yeah, who uh, does? <laughs> right, and uh, so yeah, Adam Scott. Yeah, I mean, and still, even it's even funny, like. Nowadays, like there's certain guys that you kind of want to get paired with because your gallery gets uh, a lot better looking really quick, and uh, it's like you get paired. With, you get paired with Ricky Fowler, you're gonna have a great day. I mean, it's, it's and you, you just come to realize they ain't here for me. They don't even see me, and I'm totally fine with that. Like it's it's all right. I'll I'll be that old guy that looks over there. I get it. <laughs> you know, my my wife doesn't really watch golf at all. She doesn't even hardly listen to the show, but we went to the matches a few years ago, and the only player she's ever asked me about was Adam Scott. She saw him walk by. <laughs> that's, it's it's a hundred percent right. Yeah. And, and, and the sad thing is, you you just have to get used to it because it's just that, that's just what happens. <laughs> All right, your adult beverage of choice. Ooh, um, I well, I don't drink a lot. Uh, it, so it would probably be just a, a glass of red wine. I'm more of a of a cab guy if I do drink. Uh, so it would be just, some, just a nice glass of cab. And I'm not really a wine snob either because um, I, I just don't drink a whole lot. But if I do, it would be a glass of wine. It must be an Augusta That's Country it. Club thing. Yeah, I'm yeah, a big fan of that answer. 
So have you had a Michelob light? Have you had a Michelob light since the? Uh... Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, since I uh, since I sent that sponsor straight away from us. <laughs> no, no. Sadly enough, I haven't. You know, those are some of the moments where if you could like go back in life and maybe change something, that'd be one of mine. And uh, maybe that sponsor will still be with us. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, I got a couple more, and then I'm going to let David take it over. Ian Poulter, misunderstood or genuine tool? No, completely misunderstood. Totally, totally fully misunderstood. Now, some of it, though, he does to himself. Like, I totally get it, but I've known Ian forever. And um, like, I remember even one night uh, at the Masters. My goodness, this is a long time ago. We, uh, uh, David Ledbetter was staying at the house with us. And this is back when Ian was working with David. And I was working with David as well. and. Uh, we had another guy at our house that Ian had never talked to, so he didn't recognize his voice, uh, played a prank where he called Ian on Wednesday night of the tournament and just said, hey, listen, Ian, you know, we've heard about your outfit of choice for the next day, and you know, we're not going to allow that. If you, if you show up on property with it, we're going to disqualify you. And, and so, yeah, you know, obviously he was really upset, and then he finally calmed down. But, uh, um, you know, but, but Ian, no, he's completely misunderstood. Uh, where. Uh, yeah, like like that's one where where I you know and his wife is fantastic, um, and you know some people would say she has to put up with Ian. Like I, I get it, uh, but no, I, I'd say he's more misunderstood. What is what is a typical off week Friday or any day like for Charles Howell? Uh, besides, I know you've been been listening to Core Junkies, but other than that, you know what, yeah. what's the day like? So uh, in the morning. Um, if if I don't take the kids to school, uh, then I'll be in the gym uh, by it's seven o'clock in the morning. I'll be done with that about you know eight thirty or so. I'll start practicing around nine, uh, and I'll do uh, a lot of short game stuff in the morning from nine until about lunchtime. Uh, and I'll stop for lunch for a little bit, and then back out to the driving range to work on you know whatever mechanics things maybe I'm working on, et cetera. And then I go play and I play some amount each day, you know, whether it's five holes, nine holes, 18 holes or whatever. And yeah, I'm done practicing by about eh, four thirty, five o'clock. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty full day, but it's no different than say someone's normal, you know, work day. So, um, my son, a six year old son, you know, he loves golf. So after school, when he's done with, you know, whatever homework or activity he may or may not have, he'll come out and, uh, and we'll play some holes together late in the evening. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my day is pretty much what you'd say normal, you know, working hours. Who are your Perfect. favorite guys on tour to get paired with right now? Um, uh, well, I, I, okay. Jordan Spieth would, would be one of them. I, he's great to play with fantastic putter. You know, it's always good to play with players like that. Phil Mickelson. I love playing with him. Uh, not that I don't like playing with anybody, but I'd rather not play with a slower player just because yeah. it, it kind of throws you out of rhythm and everything. All right. Who was your first concert? First concert you ever attended? Oh, first concert of 20. It was, uh, my gosh, it had, it was at the Augusta civic center. Um, I know it too. Yep. I'm trying to think because my mom and dad were just talking about the other day, man. I can't remember it. I gotta, I gotta get back to you on that one. I gotta take a rain check got, for the next podcast. Yeah. You gotta let us know. All right. Well, can you at least remember who the last concert was that you, you went to? Uh, Jason Aldean, yes, absolutely. Oh, nice. I've seen him live, yeah. too. That's a good one. Dude, I, um, I love him. He's fantastic. Weirdest or worst uh, experience or request from a fan? 
weirdest request ever was to go to dinner with a fan and that I'd never met or, or et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, stay at their house at a tournament, uh, for the week. And they were kind of forceful with it and they didn't really, you know, like the fact I said, no, then they came out to the tournament to follow me. And then that kind of got awkward. And then that ended yeah, up with I... security leave, uh, escorting them off the property. Uh, so that's kind of been my weirdest wow. one. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, sometimes they get a little aggressive and, and, and the funny thing is like, that's just me. Like, I can't imagine what, how a tiger or a Lori <laughs> yeah. Mackle would answer that question. Right. That's just what happened with me. Are you sure that wasn't Pat like in disguise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, it, it, it did right. talk about red wine. No. Yeah. <laughs> he, wanted, he, wanted, he wanted to share a glass of cab with you, maybe a little. Blend. That's right, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> who are your? Who are some favorite guys, characters of yours that are on the European tour right now? Ooh, um, well, he's European. He doesn't play much over there. Carl Peterson would be number one. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a trip. Um, let me see here. Uh, Terrell Hatton. Uh, I've yeah. played with him a bit, and boy, he can run hot and cold. Uh, but when he gets hilarious hot, Twitter follow, by the way, yeah, like he is hilarious. Twitter fun. Follow. Well, he's fun to be around when he gets angry. Um, <laughs> let's see here. There's uh, who else over there? You know, uh, I tell you a player who I, I, I've really enjoyed playing with and getting paired with is that Tommy Fleetwood. My gosh. I mean, what a, yeah. what a hell of a player that guy is and a golf swing he's got. But, um, you know, speaking of actually of all that, you know, their Ryder Cup team's looking really good. Um, yeah, like, I don't yeah. know if you're. It may be a little early to pay attention to that, but man, those guys are playing awful good golf. We're we're paying attention. Actually, just last week, Pat and I locked up our trip to Paris. We'll be there. So, oh, beautiful! Looking well, forward very to good. It. that'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. What other sports are you into, and and who's your favorite athlete outside of a golfer? Uh, well, I love college football. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, it, it's shocking, uh, how big business it's become. Uh, but I love that, you know, following national signing day on Wednesday was awesome. Um, so I'd say that, uh, as far as favorite athlete, uh, it, it would be, you know, the, the tennis realm. I mean, Roger Federer, uh, you know, back in the day when he played, I absolutely loved Pete Sampras. Um, and now follow Federer and those guys. And the reason being is I, I think their sport is similar to golf and their, you know, their body builds are similar, um, yeah. you know, et cetera, the mentality of it. It's, it's somewhat of an individual, obviously individual sport, right? More match play, but, uh, yeah, the tennis guys would be, I, I followed them quite a bit. All right. So you're married. So I'm sure your wife has told you about this. What's the one annoying habit that you have? Um, it would probably be pulling out my cell phone at dinner. Um, yep. and that would probably be one of them, which is a bad habit. Cause sometimes I do it. I don't want to pick the thing up, but yep. I do that. <laughs> um, it would be that it would be, or I say, I'm going to be home. I'll be home at four 30. I'm just going to play a few more holes and that turns into five forty five, And I played about nine more. And yeah, <laughs> one of those could be, and any, any golfer can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, pulling out your phone what are the top three most used apps on your phone what, what are your go-to uh, apps what's on the front page well stocks uh would be number one okay. and then um which has been a bit tumultuous lately uh and then uh the pj tour app i would say um okay. and then and then podcast um because while i'm practicing during the day 
um, yeah, I, I just I just can't listen to music, so I, I love listening to podcasts. That's awesome. Who do you, what do you listen to? Well, tour junkies, right? Well, that right, would that right. be number one. Let's let's get that <laughs> right. out there. Um, I listen to this, play, uh, uh, this play message was brought to you by Bullshit. Hmm, sorry, anyway. that, no. no. <laughs> uh, I listen to uh, Play Travis. Uh, I don't know if you ever listened yeah. to him. Oh uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. he has his he's you know outkick the show. I think he's fantastic. Um, I used to listen to Dan Lebetard's show, and then it kind of got a little bit mm, whatever. And uh, so yeah, more Clay Travis, and then uh, and then I'll listen to other. So I listen to Tim Ferriss his podcast. I think it's really good. Um, yeah, he's and then smart there's dude. a workout. Oh, he is. And there's a workout trainer from Washington named uh, Ben Greenfield. I listen to some of his stuff as well, but. Uh, but Clay Travis, he, uh, he, I've been listening to a bunch of his stuff lately. Interesting. We, I don't think we've ever really had an interview where they're like big podcast listeners. So that's cool. That's good. Um, yeah, see, I'm old. No, I love it. Podcasting is the new thing, though. Like, you're you're ahead of the curve there, Charles. You're oh, ahead. good. There you go. See, I do, I do have some millennial in me. I love it. There you there go. You. That's, that's all you. Um, <laughs> all right, two more questions. If you could choose a player on the PGA Tour to caddy for you in a tournament, who would that player be and why? Ooh, um, let's see here. It would probably be, let me see. Hmm. Well, okay. Can I say champions tour as well? Yeah. Okay. Bernard Langer, because there's no, there's no, never been a guy I've seen in practice rounds, take more notes and know the golf courses better, uh, than that man. Holy cow. I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, his uh, paying attention to things, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it'd be Bernard Langer. Or it would be someone like, uh, you know, Daniel Berger. And, and the reason for that would be, you know, the guy's so darn confident and cocky that maybe some of that would rub off on me. Um, <laughs> you know, some of his sort of like air about him or whatnot. Uh, yeah. That'd be my uh, second choice. He's been on the, he's been on the podcast before. And actually, we dude, we I love that question. Yeah, he's a good dude. We asked that question to somebody, Pat. I can't remember who, and they said Camilo Vajegas for the same reason you just said Bernard Longer. Just talked about yeah. how yeah. detailed his books were; that it was just unreal. That's not something it, you we know. It is about. true. No, it is true, right? You wouldn't think about it, especially like with the South American mentality, right? But but no, it really is. Camilo is is right on that. Yes. All right, and finally, what is something you spend your money on that most people? would be shocked to hear man that's like a great Pat, Pat uh, is like white zinfandel <laughs> yep <laughs> heavy collector uh, of white zin no that's not true uh, <laughs> <laughs> um golly what would it be you know i i mean but a yearly prescription uh let me see. no like a yearly subscription to rivals because i follow a lot of college football recruiting uh, okay. Which I mean, my wife doesn't understand that ninety nine dollars. But um, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty boring and conservative. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't really do anything like out. I mean, uh, it, it would be something for my daughter, is what it would be, because she's yeah, yeah, yeah. shockingly high maintenance, and <laughs> uh, and you would just go, <clears throat> wow, you spent that on that. But yeah, for myself, I'm pretty boring and kind of what you would think it would be. Well, what's the what's the hot new stock tip from Charles House? Obviously, you're following. Oh that my gosh! Completely. Oh my gosh! Don't don't ask me. If I knew that, I would have hit my last <laughs> golf ball already, and I'd just be <laughs> running podcasting on the Golf Channel. So, 
No, man, shoot, it's smarter people than me on that. But but that is if I if I wasn't a golfer, I would love to be on Wall Street. I, I think that world is uh is uh awesome and uh obviously there uh it's brutally difficult and stressful, but uh that's that's what I would want to do if I wasn't there. Well that's interesting. Maybe one of these days when you're when you're on golf channel you can be maybe a fantasy golf analysis too. Because I mean that's kind of what we do. do. You guys are stocked. You know, you guys are stocked. Absolutely. We're, we're picking who's hot, who's you know, uh, who's trending in the right direction. So that's awesome, man. Well, you survived the native area unscathed. You did not pass on a question, which is also pretty awesome. And we really appreciate um, the hour and then some of your time, man. Uh, it was really good to have you on. And uh, we know our listeners are going to love this one. And we'll be pulling for you for the rest of the year um, and, and hope to see you here in Augusta here in a few months. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, so I certainly hope so. I hope I'll be there and we can maybe do something live there at the Masters. But uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. And uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, and, and you guys stay in touch. Well, that was the bulk of the Charles Howell interview. Now we've got a little bonus coverage talking a little social media with Charles Howell. This is it. After this, we're out. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again. MyBookie.ag promo code TourJunkies. Dude, I didn't even know you're on Instagram. Holy crap! I thought you were like just a, a social media ghost. That's well, I was, and to be honest with you, like sponsors and whatnot want you to do it. Yeah, because the, the thing with Twitter is, I, I didn't, I didn't want to sit in bed nine thirty at night and argue with people because I would do that, and, yeah. and you know yeah. what I mean. And I just couldn't shut it off. And they said, "Well, do Instagram. It's just pictures." People really can't say or won't say much on those and just do that. And I'm like, okay, fine. But but then, you know, the, the pictures that they send you to put on there stick out like sore thumbs. You know what yeah. I mean? You're like, hey, Charles, you need to m- mention, you know, this TrackMan device or whatever. And I'm like, God, that just looks so fake to me. But okay, fine. And uh, But anyway, yeah, so it's, it, Instagram seemingly has less fighting on it. Yeah, it totally does. And it and it's. It is kind of a thing where Pat and I were talking about this. We were at the PGA show a couple of weeks ago, and we've been now a few years in a row. And it seems like the market is getting a little smarter to these these marketing tasks from some of these golf companies. Where you know whether it's equipment companies that are bragging about the next big thing the next year, and um, you know, or it's like guys that are rarely on social media that don't post anything that seems organic or genuine, but then all of a sudden they post something about, you know, isogenics or the best protein bar in the market. Everybody yes. that reads that calls bullshit on that. Like everybody, like <laughs> I, I think the market is smart enough now to know, okay, that just doesn't work. And actually it turns me off, you know, like I, yes. I think that people are wisening, wisening up here. Yeah. It's like, if I were to put a picture on there for a muscle building supplement, you'd be like, well, okay, first of all, it doesn't work. And second of all, that just looks so fake compared to everything else you've done. And so by the way, I'm out yeah. now. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, get it. I, I, I totally get it. Well, and yeah, we're walking around the PGA show this year and it just feels like there's murmurs in the crowd of people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell me the same old song and verse about this being the greatest driver ever and the most innovative ever yep. and blah, blah, blah. Yep. And like, it seems like people are getting a little tired of that. I think one of the first companies to come out and you know, like, well, like PXG, like Bob Parsons, to come out and say, we're not building the club unless we know it's that much better. And if we don't release one every year, that's why. And well, that's I tell you what, and getting, and getting to know him over the last couple of years, Dude, he means that, and he's on those engineers something fierce, and and I'm telling you, and the engineers will tell you, 
Bob, we really can't do much better. And it's, it's like, so the next set of irons coming out, like they are better, but the percentage is so small, but yet how much more better can you really make them? I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, know, I know Bob charges an arm and a leg for his golf clubs, but I can tell you he is on their rear ends about that. 